What's up? I'm Sam, and this is Seek More, a podcast seeking personal growth, spiritual growth, and learning lessons from the common experience. Welcome to this week's book breakdown, where we will be discussing part four of Carrie Newoff's Didn't See It Coming, overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. If you didn't check us out the last few weeks, so glad that you've joined us this time around. To catch you up, this book was originally released September 4th, 2018, and it dives into obstacles that every leader and ultimately every person will come to face within their lifetime where they must navigate properly lest they end up becoming disheartened and end up feeling empty. The only catch? They may never see it coming until it is too late. So Newoff, through telling his own personal stories of coming face-to-face with these challenges, speaks to the audience on how to see the warning signs and how to make your way out of them if you find yourself stuck in the midst of them. The first part of Seven, which we covered two weeks ago, was about cynicism and how we restore the sense of hope that it deprives us. The second part was about compromise and how we build the character that it destroys. Part three was on disconnection and how we begin to reconnect. And today, part four is all about irrelevance and how we are to pursue change. As always, before we get going... A quick word on the perspective it speaks from. Carrie Newoff, while he is a former lawyer, a current leadership author, speaker, and podcast host, he is also first and foremost a church planter and a pastor, which comes through his writing as there are sections in which he speaks on the Christian faith and Jesus. That being said, don't think that you have nothing to learn from it, whether through this podcast or through the book. Newoff says specifically in the introduction of the book that this is meant for everyone, whether you are religious or not. To quote, he says, I believe you'll find that we all struggle with the same issues because, well, we're human. Christians can grow cynical, so can people who don't consider themselves Christians. Through this work, he attempts to strike a middle ground where the content works for both those who are skeptical of Christianity and those who passionately follow Jesus, which is exactly how I will be presenting it. I will bring out the material so that it will be applicable no matter how you are approaching, while still honoring the intent of Nuoth. With this, let's dive into irrelevance and the act of change. At the start, he begins by talking about his experience with hand-me-downs, where when he got married, he and his wife would accept any furniture people would give them. It didn't matter that they wouldn't win any interior design awards with the avocado green couch, but they had no money, and cheap or free items were all they could accommodate for. But as they became older, hitting their 30s and 40s, the hand-me-downs would leave their place for somewhere else, as they started to have the money to buy things they liked. These things, unlike the freebies or the discounts, tended to be hung onto. The reasons? Well, for one, you actually intentionally chose the item. You saved for it, and trying to drag it to the curb or sell it for $15 doesn't sit well. Second, since they are newer and probably manufactured better than your hand-me-downs, they probably don't wear out as fast. And if that's the case, why get rid of it? For a long time, Nuoff didn't fully understand the trend until his perspective shifted. As a pastor in ministry, it was common for Nuoff to visit congregants, which often led him to ask the question to himself, Why do elderly people I visit have furniture and decor that's 20 to 30 years out of date? When he would visit them, he describes it like he was being immersed in the 60s and 70s in a way he hadn't gone through since childhood, to a point he felt like he was stepping into a time machine. For him, he wondered if these folks realized time and culture had moved on. 
However, when he hit his 40s and purchased his own things, which were usually new, he began to realize that it was harder to get rid of things, leading to the paradigm shift and him realizing why this happens. In addition, life is more than objects, so why spend the time and effort to replace or update what you already have? By this point in his life, and in the lives of many elderly, there is a deep sunk cost bias, despite what they now have growing out of date by the year. This demonstrates, as Newoff notes, a bigger principle at work. Furniture is one thing, your life is another, he says. Irrelevance costs you far more when it permeates what you do how you communicate, and whom you inform. Moving on to focus on the topic of irrelevance, Newoff sets the stage by saying that irrelevance happens when the language, methods, or styles you use no longer connect with the culture and the people around you. People dealing with irrelevance begin to lose the ability to communicate meaningfully with the people they care about and are unable to contribute to things they are passionate about. This ultimately results in frustration and confusion as they don't understand why no one gets them anymore, not aware that their influence is no longer there. It often catches off guard as it works silently to undermine the influence you hold. Most people will spend their energy and effort in their earlier years to gain authority or leverage, but irrelevance sabotages it as people will, without telling you why, start dismissing you as someone who doesn't get it, someone who's outdated and even insignificant. Newoff quotes Rick Warren at this point, who says, When the speed of change around an organization is faster than the speed of change inside the organization, the organization becomes irrelevant. This, Newoff points out, is the same for people, as the gap between how quickly you change and how quickly things change is called irrelevance. It is at this point that the question is asked, what is changing faster, you or the culture? If you are honest with yourself, it is not you, and the consequence is that you will continually become more and more irrelevant as you stop changing altogether. This isn't to say that you need to make a soul-level change, Nuoff exclaims, since to change your value system often will lead you to selling your soul. He is also not saying to chase the culture and become a different person every season. Rather, the goal is to, quote, understand the culture well enough that you're able to speak into it. And that, of course, requires change and adaptation. To demonstrate why relevant people become irrelevant, Nuoff points to our taste in music. Experts say that people's fondness for certain types of music are forged between the ages of 16 and 24, though some will go so far as to say it all crystallizes at 23 and follows you for the rest of your life. This, if true, can explain why people are still rocking out to the same music as they did in their earlier years, as they never evolved past their younger incarnations. That being said, maybe that isn't you. Maybe you've changed a bit. But if you take a deeper look at your music taste, it probably isn't that different from what it was when you were younger. Rather, it probably sounds quite similar in sound. More likely than not, there is a groove in the pleasure center of your brain that hasn't changed much with age, which is why you may listen to current music and ask yourself, why would anyone call it music? So what's the point? The point is that if left unchecked, we all live in the decade where our tastes, knowledge, and experience were shaped, where we will stay frozen. The past is nostalgic, the future never will be. So it is far more comfortable 
to live in what we know rather than what we don't. Nuoff recognizes at this point that maybe the person reading this is 25 and has no idea what he's talking about. Everything to them is current, easy, and accessible to a point where change is almost invisible given it's so natural. You think it's funny that your grandma doesn't get social media and starts everything with the, the Facebook, the Instagram, and on and on and on. But you'll find it irritating that your 51-year-old mom just calls out of the blue since that isn't so awesome anymore. It is this that Nuoff wants us to think about for a moment. What year or decade did or will you freeze in? You've probably seen organizations and company cultures freeze over. You've walked into places and think that this place is far out of date for the current day. But here's the thing. You eventually are going to meet the same fate if you stop changing. As he begins to end the first chapter, he asks the question of why is irrelevant a natural drift in almost all of our lives? The answer? Culture never asks permission. It just changes. No one asks whether this new cultural trend is okay with you, or if it is okay to change the looks of cars, fashion, and on and on and on. Things just shift. Industries transition, technology evolves, markets adjust, the economy morphs, values shift from generation to generation. At the end of the day, no one will let you know that the world was changing which is where irrelevance starts. Everything is starting the shift and you were the last one to know. So it must be asked, how do we fight it? How do we fight off irrelevance? As Nuoff puts it, quote, plain and simple, you keep changing, learning, and evolving. Change staves off irrelevance. It is not as easy as it sounds, which is why it is such a hard struggle for so many people. The older you get, the harder it is to change. That being said, if you are young and you are used to the current culture, you'll be able to navigate no problem for the time being. But then your 20s are going to lead to your 30s, and your 30s are going to lead to your 40s, where the culture keeps on changing. So the question becomes, will you? The obstacle you'll face is your default, where anything that feels unfamiliar and challenges your normal seemingly becomes a threat. But you might object and ask, what about timeless values and things that never change? To that, you are right. There are things that will never change, but that's not the focus. The focus is on whether you are willing to change so that you can have the ability to communicate timeless truths in a way that has meaning to the current or next generation. If you stubbornly cling to your quote-unquote outdated methods, then you will be the last to figure out why your approach and skills are not resonating. Will change be the smoothest ride? No! Nuoff points out that it's going to be expensive at times and a hassle. But guess what? The pain that is associated with the status quo is far greater than the pain associated with change. He analogizes this with not making the choice to switch out your worn out tires, only then to almost get into a car accident due to their lack of grip. So what are you going to do in that situation? You are going to get them replaced the next day, even though it's going to cost a lot and it's going to take a while. Change is hard, and there will be pain, which is why it's comfortable to stick with what you know. But this isn't the way to go about things. Him being a pastor in church ministry, he uses this as an opportunity to talk about the church being the perfect example of being resistant. 
The decline of both believers and church attendance during the previous decades has been drastic, and the church's relevance to the culture is suffering, which Neuhoff believes that there is a direct correlation between the two. However, Christians believe that since God doesn't change, then they don't have to either. But this couldn't be farther from the case. The ability to have a voice comes with being able to shift and adapt. But at this point, they're stuck in the mud and unwilling to budge despite that meaning they will eventually lose their ability to speak up. This unwillingness to change is in all areas of life, in all types of organizations, and in all types of people. But here's the irony. Even when individuals seek to change, they often will still hold on to the past or their own ability far too much. Consider the three things that people often miss when understanding why they resist change. Number one, you aren't opposed to change, just change you don't think of. Change either is externally imposed or internally driven. Internally driven change is far easier to deal with as it's the change you devised. But if someone is deciding change for you and you are expected to follow along, that results in far greater resistance. As Neuhoff points out, this is exactly what happens with change in culture as they cause you to become irrelevant as they are all externally imposed changes which are far beyond our control. So in response, you will try to ignore it, resist it, or fight it. Number two, you crave what you already like. You have a built-in bias for what you already have going and you like it that way. It's easy to repeat and refine what has already been successful in your life. So what point is there to try something different? In your mind, it is far better to repeat your established preferences as it is something you already know well. Number three, you encounter problems with success. Success can make you more conservative, less likely to change. With success, you now have something to preserve, whether that be your net worth, strategy and tactics, your practices and habits, your reputation, and on and on and on. With that in mind, you don't want to mess with the good things and would rather stick with the tactics that got you this far. But here's the thing. This current success will be the greatest enemy of your future success, as what works now may not always work out in the future. So what does change look like then? How can you tell that you're in a place to keep innovating, growing, and moving forward? Well, consider these four insights and strategies to stay current. Number one, love the mission more than the methods. Your mission is all about what you want to accomplish, while your methods are to get to said goal. But here's what people forget. The method is not the same as the mission, and it's rather subservient. When asked if he will always run his leadership podcast, Nuoff said no, because it is only a method, not a mission. His mission is to help people thrive in life and leadership. The podcast is only an effective method for helping and teaching people, which contributes to the mission. To be successful in life, methods need to serve your mission. This isn't to say that they do not work in harmony at times, but you will find them competing at given moments. So when you are missing the mission, you have to change your methods first and foremost. The challenge then is that far too many people will love their methods rather than love the actual mission. But at the end of the day, your methods need to be constantly changing in order to accomplish the goals. As if the methods become more important, you will fall into irrelevance. Number two, 
get radical. It can be easy to think that we need to slow down, that change is not as drastic as people make it sound. However, the reality is that you will reap what you sow. The benefits equal the effort you put in. Minimal effort ultimately becomes problematic as it will only ever bring minimal results. Further, incrementalism doesn't inspire anyone. Radical change brings about radical results. In a rapidly changing world, small amounts of incremental change are likely not enough. Number three, become a student of culture. Even though you might have your personal preferences and you might not like today's culture, be willing to learn what it is nonetheless and seek to understand it as these are the prerequisites to being able to influence it. Enough said. Number four, surround yourself with younger people. Having young leaders around you actually can teach you much as they grow with the times, in addition to the fact that they are the key to your organization's future and renewal, both in personnel and ideas. It is through exposure to such individuals that you can learn to understand and reach them at their core. With all this being said, this is not to discount your life experience. Your life experience will guide you in what to influence the culture towards, but you cannot let it be the very obstacle you must face. People who are willing to change must first realize that they might need more time to grow as people. Newoff going so far as to say that the time will most likely come between the ages of 45 to 75. Those who are considered wise will use their lifetime of knowledge, insight, and wisdom to give back to the culture instead of railing against it. They leverage the past and the present to make the future better. Nonetheless, even with all these things in mind, change will feel strange, difficult, and foreign at first, and there is a chance those feelings will never go away. But here's what will happen if you stick through it. Change will lead to transformation as you are no longer who you were. On the surface, they may seem the same, but on the inside, they are far different, as a transformed person will not want to go back to the way things were. Rather, they will embrace the future more than the past. The key to seeing transformation take root, as Nuoff puts it, is to keep changing, keep experimenting, keep risking. You won't feel it immediately, but one day there will be a time when you wake up and realize that the good old days should be left behind and that your best days are what is ahead of you. That recognition is what ushers in hope, excitement, and joy. As he closes the chapter, Nuoff gives one final thought, that the change you don't implement often becomes something none of us want. Regret. Those who fail to change will often look back and wish for what might have been, which you might already have such a feeling, whether it involves a job, a girl, an apology, or something else in a list that just goes on. Change is hard, but the right kind brings about so much good. You may want to do things your way and keep everything the same, but for the sake of those to come, for the sake of contributing meaningfully in your life, don't just intend to change. Just do it and have no regrets. With that, thank you so much for joining me here on the Seek More podcast. I hope you've learned something that you can start applying to your life this week or something to consider as you go about your day. Make sure to tune in next week as we talk about part five of Did It See It Coming? And if you didn't catch part one, two, or three, make sure to go back and watch our discussion on cynicism, compromise, and discount. With that, thank you so much.